brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Spend my dollar. It's not about what you want. It's about what you're willing to do to get it. Run it again. Hello and welcome. I'm not going to, so quit asking. When you give me a hard time. For the listeners that didn't get to go. This is the payback. Alabama wins! What you did last year really doesn't matter. Our goal is to have the kind of team that nobody wants to play. Hi. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Alabama Football Podcast. Well, Tide fans, if last week's Florida game was an example of Alabama's glass being half empty, then is this week's game anything more than the Tide's glass being half full? Has anything really changed? Has the team notably improved, considering the obvious contrast and quality of opponent? Respectively and respectfully, I say yes and yes. It comes down to, I think, a matter of perspective. It's perspective, not perception, right? Generally speaking, one being more fact-based and the other being more emotionally charged. This is not sort of a mealy mouth fan speak. I think it's a legit consideration of a new data point in the context of our other previously known data points. Here, look, it's like this. With a new data point, we have a chance to restake our position for a better vantage point. It's like a sniper. You need to select your right perch to get the right angle. But if conditions change, then perhaps maybe you need to move so that you maintain the same angle or, or even a better shot. Compared to Florida, Southern Miss doesn't offer as much. The game doesn't tell us much. The Tide's numbers were double against an opponent perhaps half as talented, maybe. Against Ole Miss and the unknowns associated with an unplayed game, the only similarity is the state of origin. Nothing meaningful there. Southern Miss analysis then is best based on a comparison to the Mercer game, another overmatched opponent preceding a substantial look-ahead conference matchup. In this context, Alabama performed considerably better. Improved explosiveness, improved spirit, improved meaningful player rotation, improved contribution, improved preparation, reduced errors, and better takeaways or building blocks from the perspective of a young and still evolving team. Not a forecast on the balance of the season, but an improved position from which to mold our perceptions of the team. Simplified again, lots to like, less to lament. All right. Philosophy isn't my bag either, so let's jump into what we do best. Offense. And boy, was Bryce on fire again. 20 of 22 passing, 313 yards, five touchdowns. His two incompletions, one was a throwaway. He was It was grounding, but that's okay. It was a throwaway. And his other was an, an, an interception that clearly was not uh, his fault. It hit the receiver right on the hands, would have been a touchdown, uh, ended up being uh, an interception. Interestingly enough, you know, Bryce had five touchdowns. One of those was a gift on the Cameron Latou pickup on the Mechie fumble. And and he should have had another with uh, uh, if Jamo had called the ball. And so five nets out about right, uh, although, boy, he could have had six. Uh, I thought Bryce on the day 
demonstrated again, great poise, increased comfort in the pocket. I thought he had improved his downfield accuracy, which was a knock in the in the Florida game. So that was phenomenal to see. Across the board, we were not wrong. Bryce and the offense would improve with improved uh, offensive line play. And so we'll get to that in a minute. But let's talk about the offense just sort of writ large. The offense, 606 yards uh, total. Uh, offense, 395 passing, 49 points scored by the offense, 211 yards rushing. So that was improved performance, I think, across the board. Again, consider the opponent, but compare the numbers to Mercer. The first missed third down conversion came when the score was 35 to nothing, and uh, Alabama had a 42 to 7 uh, halftime lead. Certainly not a score that Southern Miss was going to be able to come back on. This, this Alabama fans, is something that the team or as fans, we can work with. Let's talk about the tight end performance. I really want to spend a minute on this. Are you noticing when it comes to the tight end play, are you noticing the same thing that I'm noticing? For me, it jumped out of the screen uh, Saturday against Southern Miss. This Alabama offense runs better when the tight ends are clicking, when we have two tight ends on the field, they're clicking, they're attacking the uh, the defense, especially the middle of the defense. And just as Saban said in his presser, that he likes the matchups or the mismatchups, uh, the mismatches that the tight ends can enable or afford. So this offense plays better when the tight end is clicking. Uh, tight ends, plural. Uh, the offense runs better with Jaleel Billingsley contributing. Bill O'Brien's offense known to utilize tight ends. It's something that we on the podcast talked about in our preseason show. And if you followed any, not just us, but any of the Alabama preseason stuff, dating back to when O'Brien was hired, there was a lot of talk about his uh, his use of tight ends. And so the tight ends playing well really elevate the Bill O'Brien offense. And if we distill that down, the Bill O'Brien offense, the Alabama offense, is really taking care of business when Jaleel Billingsley is taking care of his business. So it's fun to see sort of the evolution. I think this is why Saban was so invested in, you know, Jaleel, you got to get this right. You got to get this right. And when you get this right, it benefits everyone. And there's uh, a a very compelling narrative that the coaching staff, including Saban, can have uh, with, uh, with young Jaleel. JoJo also contributing from the slot position doesn't hurt either because we know O'Brien uh, utilizes the slot. So it's going to be interesting to see how these as these positions continue to evolve. And I think they both have a lot uh, yet to give, yet to provide. It's going to be interesting to see the offense really start to open up and really start to blossom. Let's talk about these tight ends. Uh, Billingsley had five catches, 405 uh, yards. That was for his first 100-yard day. Uh, he had a touchdown. He had a long of 33. So he was well utilized Saturday, which was phenomenal. Uh, Cameron Latou had three catches for 59. Ironically, he had two receiving touchdowns, uh, even though one was a a ball that he sort of picked up off the ground. So that one was gifted. Uh, At one point, it was an interesting stat where he had one catch for two touchdowns. Stats are funny sometimes. uh, And his long, uh, Latou's long was uh, 23 yards. I think Cameron contributed in many different ways. Also, uh, his blocking uh, I thought was phenomenal. He set the edge uh, a couple of times to assist the running game. I think I saw someone say, man, Cameron just plays so smooth, and and he does. He plays so smooth and so cool. Uh, like He's like the other side of a silk pillow 
And I don't know where we need to go, like to assign nicknames to players. But if we can nickname Cameron Latou Silk Pillow, then that is probably uh, an all-time win. Uh, Cam did get dinged up. We saw him sort of leave the field and did not return. It was late in the game. I was surprised he was in as late as he was. It's a little, it will be interesting to see. I've not I've read a lot of stuff uh, on Sunday, but I've not seen or read anything that speaks to uh, his injury. We'll talk about Tim Smith later. Sort of the same update. He got helped off the field. I didn't see him come back in, and I've not seen any narrative uh, or reporting or writing on uh, his injury. Typically, those things are asked in the postgame, and neither of those questions were asked uh, that I saw, I'll watch the interview. And so it'll be interesting to see in Monday's interview with Saban, the the presser, what we hear about these two players. Hopefully they're both uh, fine and good and we'll be ready to go this uh, this Saturday. But the tight ends across the board were phenomenal. Uh, again, I think the position has a lot yet to give, uh, yet to provide to the offense. And it's an opportunity to, to seek out, to scheme out uh, mismatches with your opponent. And so that's certainly going to be fun to watch. Let's talk about the wide receivers. Uh, Jamison Williams, would you believe, I did not, even looking at the stats, I didn't believe it. Uh, Jamison Williams only had one catch on the day, uh, but he was a highlight reel uh, in special teams, and we'll talk about that uh, momentarily. But he did only have one catch, but it was a big one for 81 yards and a touchdown. Uh, he almost had a second one. He was the other end of Bryce's uh, interception. Uh, he sort of bobbled the ball in his hands and and allowed the defender to, to pick it off. And that would have been another touchdown uh, for Jamison. It's hard to get on him. It's hard to be sort of sort of disappointed in that because his day otherwise was outstanding. But uh, nonetheless, that's that's something that happens sort of in the in the competition of the game. Uh, you hate when they when something like that costs you a game in a blowout. Sometimes that's just uh, it's just the cost of doing business. Mechie, for my money today or Saturday, he was a dangerous workman. That's a much less sexy nickname. That probably doesn't stick. Uh, but he had seven receptions for 45 yards, a uh, long of 21. And so, you know, what's that, six for 26 yards? Six catches for 26 yards when you take away the 21, that would be 24 yards. And so he was doing a lot of short uh, short space work, reeling in uh, those receptions. So something of a dangerous workman. He's the kind of guy when he hit, gets the ball and can get open, he can run for a long touchdown too. That would, that's what makes him dangerous in the in those short passes. He can be station to station and help move the chains. He can also burst open for uh, for long yardage as well. Javon Baker it was nice to see. He had two grabs for fifty nine. Uh, he had a really nice touchdown that he caught from Milrow, the third string quarterback, who I am more and more thinking really is the second team quarterback. We just all hope and pray that we don't need a second team quarterback other than uh, mop up duties. But uh, it was good to see Jev, uh, Javon sort of step in and step out. That was nice. We were hoping to see JoJo Earl. Uh, he didn't have any receptions. We were hoping to see a, a, a Jay Hall sort of emerge into a role, and we didn't see that. It's still going to happen, and I guess if I predict it every week, eventually I'll be right. What do they say? A stopped clock is right twice a day. So if I keep saying it, I will eventually be right. Uh, it's just not happening when I expect but uh, I do expect both JoJo and, and Ajay to, to burst out. And then Treshawn Holden, uh, he had one catch for nine yards. I, he, he very much strikes me as a steady hands, uh, I would say possession receiver, but a move the chains type receiver. And it's good to see him on the field. It's good to see him to get a, uh, get a catch because I think he's going to, he's not going to grow into a huge role. He's not going to be one of the top, you know, one, two or three guys in the rotation, but if he settles in, 
you know, four, five, six sort of in the rotation, he's going to really contribute and uh, make some grabs that'll uh, be beneficial to the team. So hats off to Treshawn Holden for getting on the field, getting a reception there as well. Let's talk about the running backs. Uh, I thought the TV uh, broadcast team, and I thought they did all right, but I thought overall they overhyped uh, the Brian Robinson uh, play, that he looked good in warm-ups and that they expected him to play. I thought that was a little uh, overhyped. Watching sort of over the shoulder of the commentators, or I like to watch, you know, they show the sidelines and they show the team, and maybe they're they're focused on the coach or maybe they're focused on, on a particular, particular player. I find that you learn a whole lot about, more about watching the background. What's happening in the background? Because you see more players, you see more movement. And uh, very early, uh, it was maybe even before the kickoff or not long after the kickoff, you saw Brian Robinson sort of walk by, and he wasn't carrying his helmet. Well, if he's not carrying his helmet at the point of kickoff, he's not playing. Uh, that's just the nature of that. They've taken his helmet away, so to speak, so he doesn't leak onto the field. And so Brian Robinson walking around uh, without his helmet, I thought was very telling. Very early in the game, I said, he's not playing today, uh, not even just a little bit. Uh, and then even as he was walking by, he almost had uh, – maybe I'm reading too much into it, but he almost seemed ginger, gingerly to to his side. And so it, it, to me it was very clear very early that he was not uh, going to play. I thought that was just annoyingly bad reporting that you see from from TV. I've commented on this in the past watching games. They, they just miss sort of lazy things. And uh, for my money, that was certainly one. But let's talk about the running backs who did contribute. And I'm going to run these sort of in order. We've been sort of ranking the, the running backs. It's sort of a, I don't know why we did that this season, but sort of to see how sort of they net out. You know, B-Rob doesn't get a grade, obviously. Uh, he would have started. Uh, how he would have performed relative to the others is, is another matter, but uh, but uh, we're, not, we're not grading him. Obviously, he didn't play. Number one, and the one and two is really close. I mean, there's one and two because there's two, so someone has to be one, someone has to be two, but it's very, very close. Uh, Jace McClellan, I give the, the nod to. Not only did he start, but he had 97 yards on, on 12 carries. Uh, he had one catch for nine yards uh, in a touchdown. He actually would have scored a touchdown – if you go back to the to the Mechie drop that Cameron picked up and scored a touchdown, Alabama had already snapped the ball as the whistle was going off. But they ran that that play uh, at the goal line, and that was a it was a Jace McClellan run for a touchdown. And you could say, well, the defense sort of backed off where they heard the whistle. Ah, <laughs> Alabama sort of blew him away, and so Jace got that touchdown. Uh, and he probably would have gotten another shot at it, uh, even if they had stopped him. So Jace missed out on a touchdown whereas Cam and, and Bryce got it. So that was kind of interesting to see sort of the how that all shifted. But I thought uh, what sort of gives the edge to Jace is just his diversity in uh, both the receptions and the catch. Had a touchdown, and, you know, what's that net out to? 106 yards uh, I thought was nice. Roy Dale Williams had a big night. Now he's been four and five sort of down our list of, of running backs. Uh, he fumbled against Miami, which uh, put him further down in the rotation. But he burst on the scene uh, Saturday night against Southern Miss, and I think I, I think any any type fan watching the game were very pleased uh, with his performance. He had 11 carries for 110, uh, and he had he had a uh, he had a touchdown uh, similar to Jace. His numbers could have been a little bit better. Uh, sort of the turf monster uh, tripped him up, you know, about the five yard line when he had uh, just a wide path uh, to run, and it was it was. I mean, you hate it for the kid, but you you can sense his frustration. He fell and he sort of hit the ground because he knew that he was going to score a touchdown, and you know that he really wanted uh, to score that touchdown. But the coaches know that he executed appropriately and was right there to score. So Rodell Williams, I thought, just had a great night. 
really goes to show how deep the Alabama uh, Alabama team is at the running back position. And I, uh, I, I suspect that we'll see uh, more of more of Roy Dahl as we go forward. Uh, he's certainly going to be a contributor on the team. What he demonstrated Saturday was nothing short of that. Uh, Trey Sanders, he's sort of become a pet favorite uh, for me, not only because of his injury, but just there was so much hype around him coming in. And he's a guy that I really want to see, not so much at the expense of others, but I do want to see him uh, you know, compete with the starters. And he did not have an opportunity uh, to do that Saturday. And so that was uh, that was disappointing. It's hard to get them all reps with the starters, and I hate that he sort of slipped, uh, apparently. Don't know the reasons per se, but uh, uh, but Trey is certainly – Further back in the pecking order, it so it would seem. Uh, certainly passed by Roy Dale is what it looks like. Uh, Trey did not run with the starters, so his five carries went for 12 yards. Uh, nothing spectacular, nothing outstanding there, and certainly not representative of what he's capable of. And uh, like I say, I still suspect that we're going to see Trey uh, contribute as the season goes on. I want to talk about offensive line overall. I thought the offensive line performed uh, well. I thought it was improved play. Again, you can't compare where the offensive line sucked against Florida and then now they look really good against Southern Miss. And what do you take from that? Well, are they as good as they were against Southern Miss or as bad as they were against Florida? And the answer is no, they're neither of those things. Now, I will give a little more props to Southern Miss because their defense, and they're a lower-ranked opponent and consider sort of their class of play, uh, class of opponent as well, but their defense has been really stout. Uh, They've held uh, all of their prior three opponents like 30 yards rushing average, like an incredibly low number. And so for Alabama to, to burst out with uh, over 200 yards rushing uh, was was a good day, and it speaks well not only to the running backs, but certainly the offensive line as well. So I want to give them some preps, uh, props. I really uh, was down on them last week. Uh, I thought they uh, I thought they played very, very much an improved uh, game Saturday. And again, if your comparison is to Florida, it's a little bit unfair. Uh, if your comparison is to Mercer, then that's a little more fair uh, comparison. And I thought the offensive line uh, can play, uh, played considerably better uh, against Southern Miss than they did Mercer. And so truly an opponent that they played down to in, a, in, a, in an egregious way, uh, I thought the offensive line and the rest of the team sort of played to, closer to a standard uh, against Southern Miss. And so I think that that demonstrated – um, Chris Owens started at right tackle. I will cop to being disappointed about that. Uh, later in the game, much later in the game, Damian George rotated in with the backups at right tackle. And so it very clearly looks like Damian George is the, is, you know, the backup or right tackle. If we had to replace due to injury, we probably would go Kendall Randolph. I, I, I'm firmly believing that at this point. But just when we switch the backups, we go to Damian George. And then J.C. Latham who I am bullish on that right tackle spot. Uh, I think he has cemented uh, the position as the backup at right guard. Now, again, if we had an injury situation, how how might that play out? I think differently than how we rotate players in a, in a blowout game. If we had an injury, so now I'm speculating, if we had an injury situation, I think we might have a game or two with Kendall Randolph at the tackle spot, but I think we would very quickly prepare JC uh, for the position. And I, and I think we would see JC there. Uh, I think Damian George would be passed up uh, in that regard. But if we're just playing the backups and rotating uh, guys in, then JC getting reps at right guard demonstrates our interest. It demonstrates him being one of the best 
you know, in the top 10, if you will, uh, at the position. It demonstrates an interest in getting him reps. And it may beg questions, where are we in the interior guard positions uh, in terms of depth? Now, that's not an issue today, and so I'm not going to make it one. Uh, but those are the types of observations. When we see the rotations and who's rotating, you know, that may be, uh, that may be something to look at. The kite, kite kid is backing up at left tackle. And so it would be interesting if we did have an injury situation, might he get a look at uh, at right tackle? So that's something that's something to look at there. And so when you you know when we've talked about this before, backups are really two different things. Are they the second teams when you're just doing a wholesale sort of hockey line rotation, or is it the backup because you have an injury that's now elevated? not playing with the twos, but elevated to the ones because there's an extended sort of need, uh, you can you can definitely see a couple of different uh, things there. And it's a Mari kite. So nonetheless, I think uh, those are things to just watch, just sort of keep your hand on the pulse, and uh, we'll see how that evolves. Hopefully, hopefully these are plans that we don't have to execute against because we would never root for a player uh, to go down with injury. All right, so before we shift from offense, we're going to give a mini game ball like we do. And, hey, I'm going to demonstrate that I'm a jerk, but I'm not heartless. And uh, I am giving my mini game ball. Now, this might be the smallest mini game ball I've ever given, uh, but I'm giving my mini game ball to Chris Owens. (laughs) Wow, I know. Did you listen to last week's show? I thought he played well. Not outstanding. Uh, he had a holding call at uh, at the at, at just the wrong time, and and just when I went to like, uh, there he goes again. I had to remind myself, hey, that's the first time we've heard his name, and I watched him uh, for extended periods during the game. And uh, again, I thought he quitted himself uh, very well. Um, you might say, have your drink ready. You might say that he was serviceable uh, at the position on Saturday. All right. Let's flip the field uh, to defense. I'm going to cast a really wide net uh, as I go through defense. There's a couple things I'll park on, but not nearly as many as I had on the offensive side of the ball. I think overall, I think the defense played well. I thought they played very spirited, and they played a whole game, the whole 60 minutes. Different opponent. We know this, but last week they didn't play the full 60 minutes in a productive way. This week they did. Uh, there's value in that, uh, even with a differentiated opponent. Allow 213 yards, 131 uh, passing, only 82 rushing yards allowed, and that was at a 2.5 uh, clip. Uh, so I thought that was pretty good. And they held Southern Miss to 5 of 15 on third down conversions. So talking about getting off the field on uh, third downs, I thought the Alabama defense did well in that regard. I do want to talk about, again, if we're doing a comparison to Mercer, uh, both teams scored 14 points, right? Well, Mercer scored 14 points because they were able to sling the ball and get behind the defense, and the, and it was just poor play on the secondary. Now, we can get mad at one of the touchdowns, but you know what? An opponent is going to score a touchdown. That's just – for me, that's, you know, that's just the cost of business. The second touchdown was on a batted ball. Uh, I want to say it was Moody batted the ball as it was thrown by the quarterback. And then the tipped, uh, the tipped ball went and was caught by the receiver. Would the ball have been caught by the receiver if it hadn't have been tipped? I, I don't know. I don't know that one way or the other. I'm going to speculate no, because it would look like it was the deflection that took it to the receiver. And I'm going to, I'm going to sort of categorize that, not in a bad way. I'm going to categorize that very similar to the interception with JMO is if you do the right thing enough times and it's like, you know, Saban says, don't worry about the scoreboard worry, you know, compete to a standard. 
do the right thing and that will net out. And sometimes in the netting of it out, you get sort of an adverse uh, result. And so when Bryce dropped back, he read the, the defenders, read the routes, he made the right choice. He selected the right receiver. He was open, threw the ball to the right receiver. And Jamison, who had a phenomenal day otherwise, sort of knocked the ball as opposed to, uh, to catching it cleanly. And that led to the interception. That could easily just as easily have led to a dropped ball. It could just as easily the other way have led to a touchdown. And so there was a lot that was done right on that play. And so I take that as, I mean, it's hard to call it a net positive, but it was positive. It was constructed of positive. Well, the second touchdown for Southern Miss, I look at very similarly. Get your hand up when the quarterback passes. Offensive linemen, linebackers, get your hand up and just close down these passing lanes. It's maybe an attempt to bat the ball. And Jalen Moody did exactly that. He literally batted the ball, not impacted a passing lane, but he did bat the ball. And nine out of 10 times when you bat the ball, you're going to have, uh, from defensive perspective, you're going to have a positive outcome, the right outcome. This just happened to be the, the low percentage where the batted ball led, uh, led to a touchdown. And imagine that happened when we weren't playing Auburn. So, wow. So even a lesser likelihood of that happening. So I don't, I don't count that. That's that almost that second touchdown almost just doesn't bother me because of how, I mean, I don't like it. Don't get me wrong, but a lot of good went into the accidental outcome, you know, for Southern Miss. So that's how I, I kind of look at that. I think there are items clearly that uh, Alabama needs to clean up on defense. Uh, Toa Toa, I thought missed his drop a couple times. Uh, he could have covered the tight end much more closely than he did. And DeMarco Helens, God bless him. Uh, he had another uh, big missed tackle that uh, that ended up uh, leading to uh, a score for the opponent. He did a little bit sort of atone uh, for that with uh, uh, with an interception. But nonetheless, I would much rather uh, I'd much rather him just make the tackle and prevent the uh, the opponent from scoring. It's just other sort of individual play uh, or individual notes. Um, on the defense, I guess the big individual note I want to make is Will Anderson. Uh, just the guy's a beast. You know, you can almost sort of interpolate from the interview and the question and sort of the discussion that, uh, you know, Saban, you know, all but said or sort of inferred that he's nearly the perfect football player. And certainly the the broadcast uh, spoke highly of him as well. And then just the play on the field. If, you, if you're not seeing it, then you're not watching uh, or you don't know what you're seeing. You don't know uh, what you're watching. He had five tackles, one sack, three TFLs, a quarterback hurry. Uh, he blew up the mesh point. I mean, just completely just obliterated the running back. And so if they had read the RPO a little bit different, it would have been another big tackle. Uh, certainly just took away that part of the play. And then the the quarterback was was tackled, uh, was tackled for uh, maybe a sack, uh, maybe, maybe no gain. He had just – Will Anderson is just an intimidating – beast and just the leadership that he demonstrates on the field with the team. And we're hearing sort of off the field as well. He, he's just going to, you know, just be a fan favorite uh, for his contribution on and off uh, the field. Now, for me, if I'm going to look for something like the other side of the discussion, I think we'll play too many snaps. I don't know. I, you know, their medical staff doesn't call me, so I don't know his relative condition of the knee. And so is it 100%? I'm going to guess no, although he plays like it is. And so maybe is is there, you know, 
eight or nine or 12 snaps that he could have not played uh, Saturday or gotten out of the game a little bit earlier and not come back in the second half, that would not have disappointed me. Now he's a competitor. He wants to play and saving plays to guys that are ready. And so I understand that side of it too, but I could have, uh, I could have done to see him come out uh, a possession or two uh, earlier. I thought Alabama as a whole uh, was good, but not great with its rotations. We did uh, the Alabama uh, staff or, or defense did play a lot more players. Some of the rotations were a little curious to me, and most of the rotations were a little bit later than I would have liked to have seen them. I would have liked to have seen more of the rotations in the first half, as an example, than uh, in the second half, because for my money, we're still auditioning for contributors, not rolling out the bench uh, hockey line style when the game is uh, is determined. Nonetheless, either approach lessens the number of reps that the starters have. And so they intentionally or unintentionally get a little bit of a breather there. And so I'll take the net out on that one. A couple, couple of the rotations are things that uh, I found interesting. Uh, Malachi Moore played in the first half and he, he subbed out for Brian Branch in the second half. That's just a very curious rotation. If they're going to rotate, why is it by half? I don't, I don't understand that other than we want to get them both in, but why, why would you not rotate them in both earlier in the, in the game? Uh, especially when you're thinking about sustaining. And so you take a drive, I'll take a drive, or you take two drives, I'll take two drives. And then you do that sort of throughout the game until you legitimately get to backups. Uh, because if I'm gassed in the first half, but I'm still playing in the first half, then the rotation doesn't really do anything for me. So I, I do I do think of it in that regard. Uh, Daniel Wright, I was surprised to see uh, how much he played. He came in in dime formations. And so, I mean, I like the kid. I'm not mad at him. Uh, although, you know, we've we've talked about him in the past and talked about, uh, you know, him maybe ha- struggling to see uh, the field again. So the fact that he was in sort of as a starting dime, if you will, that surprised me. I might go so far as to say it concerns me for next week because Alabama will play a lot more dime against Ole Miss than they did against Southern Miss. And so that might be interesting to see. I still really want to see Helms platoon with some combination of, of Malachi Moore and, uh, and Brian Branch and then have whatever sort of that platoon looks like, the one that's off platoon, uh, so to speak, that individual play the dime. And so you have circumstances where you have Malachi and Brian Branch on the field at the same time. And I wonder if that's something we're kind of holding back and we might see more of that uh, against Ole Miss. So something to watch for there, what the rotations are in the secondary uh, against Ole Miss. But it was interesting to see that uh, how that played out. Generally speaking, it's sort of the front eight, uh, mostly linemen. Uh, LeBron Ray got some run. And uh, saw him in for a number of snaps. So that was really good to see. Again, just his injury history is so much that he's a sentimental favorite. I like to see him in there contributing. He's, he's in there a lot of times with sort of the, the rabbit squad because uh, he's, a, he's, he's a more of a defensive end. But uh, at times he was lined up at the nose, uh, more in a, a third and long situation. Uh, Chris Braswell is, is getting more snaps in the rotation. And so that's certainly good to see. Uh, Stephen Wynn, more of a nose guard uh, type, a big defensive end, you know, smaller nose guard, but a big defensive tackle. 
I saw him rotate early in the game. And so that was fun to see because that's the type of rotation that we were asking for. Not the backups in a blowout, but rotating in sort of when it's still a contest, so to speak, or in the, or, you know, call it in the first half. Uh, Tim Smith has been playing more and more. Uh, he's another guy that appeared to get dinged up. Uh, he was actually helped off the field a little bit, but no report on his injury. So hopefully he's going to net out okay. We'll have to keep an eye out for that. Uh, Jamil Burroughs. Boy, he really flashed. Uh, he made a big play, big 97. He is a wide body. He made a big play in the backfield uh, and just seemed to be, you know, shot out of a rocket uh, considering his size and, and mass, the play that he made. And I'd like to see him get more and more opportunities. The TV crew, now sometimes they get to speak with the coaches and so they get a perspective and, so, and, and they talk to that uh, a little bit. One of the things that they kept saying that I found very interesting is that um, – you know, Pete Golding, I guess, in, in talking to him, said, we really like our young defensive line. We might even, I'm reading between the lines, we might even like them better than some of our starters. We just need to get them to consistently do what they need to do. And when they reach that level of consistently doing what they need to do, wow, this defense. That's kind of what I heard uh, in the discussion, interpreting between the lines just a little bit. And Jamil Burroughs clearly demonstrated that he might be one of those guys if he's able to more consistently uh, handle his responsibility, then he might more consistently see playing time and make plays like that. So we're rooting for that. That's exactly the type of rotation development opportunities that uh, that we were rooting for. So uh, uh, good on Jamil Burroughs and look forward to seeing more of him. Jalen Moody, we did see him. Uh, we did see more of uh, Jalen Moody sort of in in the the flow of the game. So that was that was definitely good. We talked about his batted ball there. I think that was a good on him play, uh, despite just the batted ball. It's just the way the ball bounces sometimes, right? I'm looking at my notes, and I didn't write down uh, a mini game ball. So I'm just going to wing it. I think I would have gone this way anyways. Uh, for all the reasons we've just talked about, mini game ball goes to uh, Jamil Burroughs. He sort of personified, not just his play was phenomenal, but he, I, to me, personified what we're looking for in depth rotation and the contribution that those youngsters can uh, provide. And so if he got three to five snaps Saturday, I don't have a snap count in front of me, but ballpark, if he had a, a low number, uh, then hopefully he played well enough, acquitted himself uh, well enough that, you know, that he can he can start to inch that number up. So if he got three to five, if he can get five to eight, and then he can get up to an 11, you know, maybe snap count, then that's a real sweet spot uh, for starting to contribute, giving meaningful rest and rotation to the young guys. And again, he's just a big wide body inside the line of scrimmage and clearly was explosively fast in getting to the quarterback. And I think he's going to be stout in the uh, in the run game is uh as well all right let's flip to special teams uh and today we're calling that the jamo show three kickoff returns for a buck 77 uh two return for a touchdown including the opening kickoff return 100 yards for a touchdown now i don't want to be uh i don't want to just respond to the result um i love a 100 yard kickoff return to start the game uh it really is a tone setter, a pace setter. Uh, team knows that they've got to do everything they absolutely absolutely can to not just get housed and embarrassed. And then you start out in the 7-0 you know, uh, deficit 12 seconds in. I, I like what that is. 
also don't like opening, uh, taking the opening kickoff out of the end zone. They're going to give it to you on the 25. You've heard me talk about that. And, uh, hey, go see Jalen Waddle last year in terms of running the ball out of the end zone on the opening kickoff and uh, the negative impact that that can have on a team. I would venture and hear what I say, not what I don't say. Uh, I would venture the loss of GMO relative to this team is more costly than the loss of Waddle relative to last year's team. So soak on that uh, for a minute, and I welcome any sort of feedback or discussion on that. Uh, we don't want to lose uh, GMO any more than we wanted to lose Waddle last year. And again, maybe I'm maybe I'm playing the result because I'm happy with the touchdown, but man, I just don't like uh, don't like that, especially uh, especially early in the game. There's a sliver, sort of a gray area that I operate in that sometimes you're behind and you just have to do it. And uh, Kenyon Drake returning it out of the end zone uh, against Clemson in Arizona, that had to happen. And it did. It was magnificent. We can also sometimes see things on film. And I think that was the case with Southern Miss. Uh, with this opponent, we saw something on film that we knew that we were going to be able to perform and block, uh, block up. And when they kicked the ball right to him, and, and GMO sort of envisioned this is what we've been talking about, then, you know, he had license to uh, to take it out. And so I operate there in a gray area where if that is true, then uh, I can live with that. But if he just took it out because I'm just going to show how everyone how fast I am, I, I'm not a fan of that, uh, especially to start the game. Um, a game where you're probably just going to win it anyways. And so I, the injury risk there, I don't know. I don't know. I know, I'm a buzzkill, right? JoJo Earl had a punt return, would have gone for a touchdown, but a penalty brought it back. I liked his demonstration of capability there. We got to tighten up the blocking. That's not his fault. Uh, Will Reichert was 9 of 9 on PATs, which was phenomenal. I like to see him hit lots of PATs. And then the fact that he didn't have any field goals, I don't hate it for him because nine touchdowns, no field goals, just means a lot of touchdowns. And our non-PATs and no field goals just means a lot of touchdowns. So that's what we like. That's what we want. And, of course, Riker can hit the big kicks. That's good, too. James Burnup, our, our very own Aussie kicker, had two points, averaged 39 yards. Meh is kind of what I think about that. And um, the TV crew said, man, watch this guy. He's going to boot the ball. He has a rocket for a leg. And I just I just thought, I don't know what you're watching. Maybe you see more in practice. Because uh, because you can go to our practices, but I've not seen it in the game. Uh, I guess I'll say that. All right, next up, next up, Ole Miss. I don't want to sort of lap too too much into my sort of confusing introduction, but uh, I think the results that we saw from the Alabama team Saturday don't want all 100% translate to Ole Miss, but I think the attitude does. I think subjectively, as Alabama fans, we may say the team was better after Week One. Uh, objectively. The tide is better today. The, this Alabama team is the best we've seen the Alabama team this season. What they've demonstrated, uh, sort of how they've grown, evolved, lessons learned up to this point, up to week five, this is the best team we've had uh, to date. Again, subjectively, we thought it was a coronation parade after week one. Objectively, we've seen some up and down, a little bit of turbulence, if you will, uh, but we're sitting at 4-0. Uh, we've seen the team grow and evolve, even if just incrementally, we've seen it. We know that it's there, and so this is the this is the best team that we fielded. Or come Saturday against Ole Miss, it will be the best team that we fielded that Alabama's fielded all season. I think that's a team that can beat Ole Miss. I think uh, I think that's an Alabama team that's better than Ole Miss that can beat Ole Miss. 
a lot of hype, a lot of talk, uh, a lot of smoke is going to be blown about Ole Miss having the bye week before Alabama. That does not phase me in the least. Everyone's going to talk about, oh, Ole Miss has another week to prepare. Let's be realistic. Uh, Lane has been preparing for this year's Alabama game since last year's Alabama game. Whether they played last week uh, does not impact that level of preparation. They play cupcakes in each of their three weeks, and so don't try to tell me that they've not invested some of that time and effort into into preparing for the Alabama game. And so the only thing that, uh, uh, you know, had they played another opponent last week, I mean, that could have impacted them, but uh, more so from a wear and tear injury perspective, uh, it wouldn't have impacted their prep. And I'll guarantee, I'll guarantee them to you, three weeks, four weeks into the season, you'd rather be playing. You'd rather be playing. This will now for the Alabama game. I think it's a wash because it's it's so early in the season to have a week off that you sort of lose the momentum that that you've gained. You want the bye week just over the fifty percent mark. Uh, so you want to play seven and then and then take a, a bye week and and uh, and play five, which I actually think is what Alabama has. And so the fact that Ole Miss has a greater likelihood of coming off a little bit rusty. And then certainly, now this won't help Alabama one way or the other, I don't think, uh, but as, as Ole Miss gets into their second half of the season, I think they're going to be a worn-down team. And I think uh, I, I think in their own walls, they may regret spacing or placing their bye week at uh, in week four. But in terms of lining up and playing Alabama, I'm not worried about that. This is not going to be sort of week eight where you have a newly rested Ole Miss team and just an exhausted Alabama team trying to get to uh, the bye week. You don't have that. This is week four, or this is week five. I think uh, Alabama is still going to be uh, uh, pretty fresh in uh, in that regard. I think Alabama is a deeper roster with more weapons. Uh, and like I said, I think they've been tested uh, more to the season than Ole Miss has. Again, Alabama's better team uh, playing at home. And the ESPN Power Index, I was actually surprised, uh, had, had Alabama in an 81% uh, win ratio. I thought that was higher than than I would have expected. So that's something uh, to keep in mind, too. The people who sort of track and watch these things and, and, and study, you know, they look like they're saluting the tide uh, in this regard as well. Also think, and don't discount this, this Alabama defense has a score to settle, and that's the players and the coaches. And never, never underestimate Saban when he's playing with a revenge factor at stake and don't think that he isn't. Uh, so that's something uh, definitely to watch out. It'll be a scoring game. They're going to score. We're going to score. There's going to be some back and forth. We'll wonder if the defense made the trip, either from Bryant Hall or from uh, Ole Miss. And I think it's going to be sort of a 45 to 33 style ball game. Uh, very similar to last year, I think, uh, you know, we may trade uh, field goals and touchdowns. So we may score touchdowns while they uh, score uh, field goals. That became the differential last year. I would not at all be surprised if that is the differential this year. All right, on our Zoom call Saturday, it's a Zoom call update, and you have an opportunity to join those uh, if you'd like. On our Zoom call update, we had predictions for the game. I'm just going to say, had J-Mo uh, not, uh, not returned two, two kicks for touchdowns, I would have won. Uh, I had 49 to 10, and so and they scored uh, 60-63, uh, which – there you go. There's your 14-point point margin. But as it was, 
uh, Andy, uh, Andy won our contest and, and it's, you know, all just for bragging rights, 56 to seven it was a 49 point margin. The game was a 49 point margin. He had them scoring uh, some points and, and uh, us scoring a lot more. So, uh, so Andy wins the, uh, the contest there. I'm going to ask if you've not joined the, sort of the, the group, then I'm going to, uh, you know, definitely give us a listen. Uh, we're giving away uh, tickets here coming up uh, very, very soon. And uh, to be a, a member at the time of um, uh, the drawing and the time of the game is, is really only the prereq. I would say your odds are good at this stage. If there's any questions or, or uh, discussion you guys want to have, hit us up at alabamafootballpodcast.com or alabamafootballpodcast at gmail.com. We're available and we love uh, fan interaction. The last sort of request I'll make, we haven't done this in a little bit, and so I'll put a little sugar on top, uh, please. If you've not left us a review on iTunes or your podcast provider, then uh, leave us a review. And we like the five stars. Uh, they help people find us. Uh, but uh, leave us a review. We really, really do uh, do appreciate those. And um, we appreciate you listening. So with that, this has been, I think, our shortest show in a long time, another edition of the Alabama Football Podcast, Roll Tide. Thanks for listening to the Alabama Football Podcast. We love that you're tuned in and hope that you enjoyed the show. We encourage you to reach out and let us know what you like, where we can improve, or just to shout out a roll tide. We are where you are. iTunes, Facebook, Twitter, email newsletters, T-shirts, free roster downloads, and of course, on the web at alabamafootballpodcast.com. Check us out where you'll find easy links to your favorite way to follow the tie. Got that, Coach? Of course. Roll Tide. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.